0: You are in the UK right now. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it feels really nice to be here, actually. Mm. Really interesting. It it takes time. It definitely takes me time. Um, Mm. But I feel more held and safer, which is interesting and really, really peaceful.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. Do you know why that is? It's just a feeling. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not like I was unsafe where I was. Mm. Just, I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain it. Mm-hmm.
0: Which my question right now brings us to the thing we wanted to talk about today. <laughs> Which I think is super interesting. I think that's a really, really interesting thing to talk about. Um, I am fascinated by that. So do you want to, you have the floor. Do you want to lead?
1: Sure. So the topic that I was thinking and wanting to speak to was inspired really by a couple of um, client calls I had yesterday where I always notice that there's a theme that seems to come up. And the theme yesterday, and it often comes up, this one is around living cerebrally, so from your head and living in an embodied being way, so from your body. And one of the main reasons why I find this so fascinating is because a lot of people, I think we've been conditioned and taught by society, feel the need that they feel the need to, oh, what's that word? Like give reasoning for everything they do there has to be an explanation or there has to be um, permission or there has to be some kind of intellectual understanding before you're allowed to go ahead and do things but life to me from my perspective is this chaotic mystery that is unexplainable we don't actually have as human beings we do not have the capacity to even hold the complexity and vastness of what is life, let alone explain it, let alone give ourselves the full understanding and and um reasoning for how and why everything happens. We just we just don't have that capacity as humans. Like we have limitations. That's why I think it's like what 90% of our brain is gray matter because We couldn't actually exist if we were able to, hello, danger has entered the chat. (laughs) Hi, Kitty. Hi, danger. Um, We wouldn't be able to exist if we were using all of that accessible space in our minds because it would be too much input Mm -hmm. and we'd all be lying on the floor like slugs being like, ah, ah, ah," experiencing things. (laughs) And So one of the key things that keeps coming up with a lot of my clients is that they cannot live their life fully without giving it an explanation or giving it reasoning first. Mm -hmm. And I want to add to that, it's not about not using your brain or not being analytical. Those are wonderful tools that should be used in support of allowing yourself to live and be but not be the first step to or be the only doorway to allowing yourself to live and experience and be does that make sense
0: kind of (laughs)
1: yes
0: (laughs) um i mean of course it makes sense i'm just trying to like (laughs) because I'm very analytical (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to track that with my mind so was it a matter of like you know you and your conversations your clients uh, preventing themselves to experience certain things unless they understand them or unless they have reasons to do them
1: one of the things was that I was trying to imbue was that You don't owe anyone or anything an explanation for why you think and feel and experience the world the way that you do and a lot of people and in this case this particular client was feeling like she had to give reasoning and explain every single article in her life in order to be allowed to express it or feel it or have it or be it or do it. So for example um if you're craving chocolate you Mm -hmm. could just be like I'm craving chocolate you could also overanalyze and be like I'm low in magnesium or I need energy or I'm addicted to sugar or whatever like whatever your reasoning is or you could just be like I feel like chocolate and then there's another way to look at it like I feel like chocolate is that a coping mechanism or is it something that's balanced in my life and something that I go to every now and then because it brings me joy and it gives me enjoyment and things like that. But having to explain everything, and it kind of links into what you were saying about, do you Google when your cats eat something? It's like you have to explain whether that thing that's just happened is safe or not in order for you to feel okay about it. But, I mean, it's already eaten it, so you're going to find out whether it's safe or not (laughs) based on their response
0: that is more of a future thing like
1: when it's already
0: happened of course it it has happened um but then in the future it's like well you know can if can they do that again is that okay for me to leave around this piece of food and they might eat it again or will it kill them over time slowly because some stuff doesn't have an effect right away right so that's that's more like of a future thing
1: so I have a question there because to me I feel like animals are very intuitively wise and they generally won't eat things that will kill them just by nature like there's this instinct or an intuition so do you think that they would actually eat things that might kill them yes of course They do.
0: Dogs eat chocolate all the time and it's really toxic for them. Or like, um, I I think animals, depending like what we're talking about, I think animals in the wild are smarter than pets at home Mm because pets at home are just hungry and dumb. (laughs) Like They're just like used to, they, they get everything they need. They don't have to work for it. They don't have to hunt for it. They don't have to look for predators. They don't have to be cautious. They're safe. So I do think pets are definitely more dumb. like they're just hungry. they're like, mm, what is this? Like, you know, and they'll and they'll go for it. <laughs> um I can tell sometimes outside, I can tell that the cats, they sniff something, they smell on something and they they back away. Mm-hmm. So I do think, yeah, certain things, <clears throat> whether that's the the smell, you know, in certain things, they understand this is not good but i don't think they're that smart when they're like pets who get everything they need and who who have a safe life versus an animal outside and even animals outside die because sometimes they eat the wrong thing um you know it it happens um there are so many plants out there and flowers who make you know who are toxic so that they don't get eaten or, or even other animals who you know, pull, push out like toxic things so that th- they don't get eaten by their predators. And some predators still do it <laughs> for whatever reason, whether they have a broken system <laughs> or, you know, they're just hungry and desperate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I I just think about all the different variables every time versus just letting it be and mm-hmm. trusting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what makes a smooth life journey is finding the balance between the two. It's not excluding either, but embracing both and finding an in between. And what I see in our society is that most people, especially in the West, Mm -hmm. are 80 to 90% living out of their heads. And there's a huge disconnect to the body when, to me, the body has a much higher intelligence than than the mind does because the mind is based only on past experiences and it repeats those over and over and over again, whereas the body can connect to the exponential limitlessness of possibilities. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have this record playing the way that the mind does. Mm -hmm. And so the experience... What, depending where you're coming from, it's really, really different. What's your experience with that? I mean, I
0: only started to really, l- starting to connect to my body four years ago when I left Christianity specifically in my marriage, but more like Christianity was the, the, the thing that caused me to disconnect from my body for all my life Mm. 34 years
1: Mm. like I did ask what that can I I want to know what that feels like Mm. because in my head connection to God I always thought was a feeling So when you're saying that Christianity made you disconnect from your body, how did that work? What did that look like or feel like? Can you explain it to me in kind of um, conceptual, pragmatic terms?
0: I can explain it, yeah, how I experienced it, obviously. I don't know about other people. I mean, there's certain experiences within Christianity that are quite universal from talking to other people who've been there and who've left and others that are more personal so for me it's interesting because actually in evangelical Christianity how I experience it how I grew up it's not so feeling based when you're in it you think it's more something you tell yourself like faith and that's also a bible verse is like uh is believing without proof so it's something you have to do with your head Mm -hmm. you have to you have to believe you have to take that action of belief even when you don't see it even when you have no proof even when you don't feel it like "Mm, i don't feel there's a god you do it with your head but i believe it you convince yourself of it so it's actually not a feeling thing Mm -hmm. um in this sector where of christianity that i grew up in When we talk of, you know, people who like are more like spirituality and stuff for for, I think that's maybe what you connected more to. Then that's more feeling. But that is not absolutely not the sector of Christianity I grew up in. It's actually you believe faith means faith is action. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is um, an action of will. Faith is. Um, yeah an act you do with your head or with your heart or whatever like it's it's willpower even when you don't see God you don't feel him you don't you just believe you just believe blind basically blindly um so that's what how I grew up you know Mm -hmm. and I grew up learning and these are all bible verses as well. You're, my heart is deceitful. My mind is um yeah that's a that's a Bible verse. Like my mind, my my understanding is is limited compared to God. Like I I can't trust my own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding but lean trust in the Lord like that's a, a Bible verse. So I can't trust my head I can't trust my heart I can't trust my body because um it's, it's a like
1: sinful thing.
0: It's sinful. Like it wants to sin. My body just basically wants sex all the time. That's like how we grew up. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> that is literally the narrative we grew up in. Yeah. So you put away your physical needs, your body, anything you experience within your body, you lock that into a tiny place away mm. until you get married. And even then for so many people, including me, it doesn't get better it's just like a whole mess and trauma um, and shame Mm -hmm. that doesn't disappear just because suddenly you're married and you get to have sex it doesn't go away it's how could it so body mind and heart all of these are bad Mm -hmm. that's that's the message I grew up in and I disconnected of course Mm -hmm. I completely disconnected from myself um it was all in my head so I am very emotional and in touch with my emotions at the same time I'm I have like this 50 50 split I'm also very analytical and I need to I always ask why I need to understand everything Mm -hmm. um and I can't do something or follow a rule or follow something if I don't understand why Mm -hmm. and (laughs) which is ultimately why I left Christianity as well Mm -hmm. so I always thought that's that's me and I wonder how much of that is me mm. or if because I grew up this way just very in, in my head that's like who I be- became but equally I mean that is the thing and I'm grateful for being analytical because that is the thing that led me out of Christianity if I didn't have that I I would still be in it so
1: mm. Mm. It's so interesting because to me, I only truly believe things that I know from an experiential having felt it myself level. And so I can hear other people's truths. Like someone will tell me, like, this is my truth, this is my truth, and I can fully accept it because I'm like, yes, that is your truth. But unless I have experienced it in myself through my own vessel, I don't either I don't have an opinion about it or I have a different experience and I can speak to that it's really interesting but something that came up came up for me while you're talking about your background and experience of God was the first time that I experienced what I would have called God in air quotes just because to me the term God is interchangeable with spirit mm-hmm. or like this energy that is maybe life yeah. and nature and and the the creation of all <laughs> and and science is woven into that it's not separate to me at all but when people say God that's what I connected to like this this vibrational energy that fills the space of our existence and mm-hmm. life experience. And um, when I was studying university I was studying psychology. I had, and I didn't, I never drank a lot. I wasn't into drinking, but I love music. I love dancing. And I had this sort of inner conflict where I wanted to go out and I wanted to have fun and I wanted to go dancing. But all my friends would get really, really wasted. And I felt very uncomfortable in that space, like the way they behaved how sloppy they became as humans, it was just very uncomfortable for me. And so I felt like I had to choose between one or the other. And then I think it was like in my second year, one of my professors said essentially, based on the research, the tremendous amounts of cellular and brain damage alcohol causes I would rather see you take um, recreational drugs than get drunk every weekend. Mm -hmm. And when my professor said that, I was like, was that a permission slip? (laughs) 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 Because I was like, I don't even like alcohol. And um, at the time, I was friends with, not people, like friends with a group of people who weren't going to university. They were like, super hippies like one of them owned a weed farm up in the mountains another one was working in a guidance center like they were all like super super hippies and they had an act they had access to a lot of psychedelics and so when i and psychedelics and pharmaceutical recreational drugs to me are very different they're different things like mushrooms and lsd are very different to let's say mdma or ecstasy or ketamine or cocaine and things like that um based on the physical effects and the cognitive and cellular effects. And I started experimenting with psychedelics, so mushrooms and LSD. And I remember probably the second or third time that I took LSD and I'd taken quite a large amount. Um, I Because what happens is you become really, really sensitized to everything and all of your senses become, um, what's the word? Heightened. Heightened, yeah. There's another word that I was looking for, but it's not coming to me right now. Like kind of like expanded, like it's just a lot more profound. And um, so whatever you're already experiencing and feeling, amplified, that's the word I'm looking for it becomes amplified and I remember suddenly noticing this vibration of the air around me like this this constant it was almost like a humming and then also being able to see it so psychedelics and cross your senses as well like you're able to see feel and hear sounds for example or colors or tastes like the senses cross each other and um so I felt this really, really strong, humming, vibrational feeling. Mm-hmm. And then what I felt was that this humming, vibrational sensation that fills all of space and all of life, mm-hmm. what it feels like is love. And as I made those connections, my brain was like, that's what God is. Mm-hmm. God is the vibration of love and it permeates everything and it's accessible to everyone if we're able to and willing to drop all the walls to that connection Mm -hmm. and so that was for me a really spiritual experience and it's only I only understood it as an embodied experience not as an intellectual experience because it's actually hard to intellectually make sense of okay does that Is that do you feel like there's any connection to anything that you've experienced or thought or felt in that? No, no, not really.
0: There's never been, um, an experience while I was in Christianity like that where I thought this is God. I think the closest that I can remember like that was a physical experience of a god like where i could feel it physically was during worship because of music Mm. that's because that's what music does anyway it's it's not the christian god that was there it's just music that happens at concerts it happens in different cultures um who also have like these states where they get into trance with music and it's funny because christians think it's so unique to them and it means that you know their god is the real god and whatever that's the closest i think i could remember having like an actual visceral mm-hmm. feeling of god um during music like worship um but yeah, not nothing like that. Mm,
1: Interesting. And so this is why I'm so passionate about both teaching and experiencing, practicing embodiment and deconditioning, because deconditioning is what allows us to be able to feel more. It breaks down the walls between the cognitive, intellectual reasoning part of ourselves, where we need to explain everything that we're doing, feeling, experiencing, and the allowing being part of ourselves where it's just, I'm allowed to be in this space mm. and feel what I feel and experience what I experience without intellectualizing it, without understanding it, without giving it reason or meaning, but just being.
0: Mm-hmm. That is really hard. That is really, really hard to do. Um, and I have a question about something you said earlier. Actually, two questions. <laughs> um, it's a questions in it's, it's one question in two parts, because you said you don't owe anyone an explanation for what you feel. Mm. Um, and I guess I wanna understand more what you mean by that, because I feel like when what you feel and do harms people, you do owe others an explanation. Like I was um betrayed last week by someone I had an agreement with not a friend like professional agreement um and it came out of nowhere um I was lied to and betrayed and the excuse was or her her reasoning was just um well I have to do this for me um I have to take care of me Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you can take care of you while also considering your impact on other people, um, at the same time. And I wonder for one, my question is, do you think that always applies, or when do you think does that apply to not owe anyone? Because I do think, yes, you do owe sometimes, you do owe an explanation. (laughs) Um, that's my first question, I guess. And the other question to that would be when what would you say in you know in your opinion when do we have to because we need a balance of both right when should we lean more into the body and when should we lean more into the head is it a case by case I mean I guess it's hard to answer for for globally but what's what's your take on it
1: good questions um with the first one When I say you don't owe anyone an explanation, I mean more like day-to-day things, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just like moving through life things. Mm -hmm. And having said that, you know, this experience that you've had with this person, I think there's a big difference between honoring your feelings and what you're moving through. And also at the same time, articulating and communicating and honoring other people that are involved because you can honor yourself and communicate with someone else and I think it's a very separate thing and from what it sounds like this person has had a strong reaction and their reaction is probably a coping mechanism or it's a pattern and there's a lot of emotional maturing that needs to happen on that person's behalf which has nothing to do with the situation or them having to explain themselves sure you know she's allowed to feel what she's allowed to feel what she feels I mean she's allowed to feel what she feels and at the same time there's a graceful considerate and thoughtful way to navigate that stuff instead of a reactory way where you then might negatively impact and hurt others Mm. so to me those are two separate things Mm. Mm -hmm. does that feel right for you as well yeah um
0: it does and i know like i told you a little bit about the story what happened behind the scenes but not everything and it does feel um it does confirm the same things that i thought about this Mm. that um well yeah or oh, everything we feel is valid, because um, the feelings are there. They come up. Um, not every reaction is <laughs> is valid and should be um, followed through. Um, and and you know, yeah, should be considered carefully, especially when it has impact on other people. So yeah, I think I felt I I thought the same thing. Where like we need to separate the feeling. -hmm. from the action. Like, yes, you can feel that, of course. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But what's good what is your action is going to be, you know, um kind of there's a difference between the two. Um
1: yeah. That I notice is often people who are not comfortable with feeling their own feelings, what they will do is instead of just sitting with those feelings and feeling them all the way through to the end, which often then gives us a solution, a conclusion because there's this discomfort of actually feeling the feeling they take action prematurely and that action can often be very aggressive or violent Mm -hmm. because what they're doing is avoiding the negative feeling that they're feeling instead of allowing it to exist with them and allowing it to move through them to the end so again, this is kind of like a not really embodiment practice. Like she felt something and reacted to it in the desire to stop feeling that thing, instead of sitting with it and being like, "Hmm, why am I feeling this? What's my part in that? How can I take responsibility for this? How can I clean this up in a way that is caring to me and to anyone else involved? And so they're different things. And it does require a level of emotional maturity and a level of self-awareness and self-care to do that which a lot of people do not have yet (laughs) yeah and then to answer your second question when do we live in an embodied way and when do we use our analytical minds the way that I perceive it is kind of like the way that we're built so we're built with a body and a head on top yeah and so for me if we move through life in an embodied way and then we come up across a curiosity or a question or a problem or something that requires some analytical perception and research and looking into then we move up to the body and we look at that thing until we come up to a conclusion or an answer or a solution or or something And then we come back to the body and so the body is the anchor is what we build on and the mind is like this incredible tool it's not meant to be like we're not meant to be living from up here it is this amazing wonderful tool that we get to use to critique and analyze and explain and understand things as we move through life and so i would really say that the more embodied you are, the more in your body you are and using the wisdom that exists within you at all times and you have access to at all times and then using the mind to then solve problems, analyze things, critically think about things. And also it's really a fun and creative process that you can go into where you look at different perspectives, you look at research, you look at different ways that you can see things and then choose the one that feels most aligned for you based on where you're at in that time in your life which of course can change because that's the thing with truth and knowledge and wisdom like science for example you know the things that we knew to be true 20 years ago a lot of them are no longer true because science has evolved and that's true for everything so even when we do use our analytical mind and we discover our truth it's only a truth for that moment And it informs us and helps us make decisions, but then we also need to be flexible for that changing, which it does and will.
0: So you always go to your body first when something comes up.
1: My practice is to stay in my body Mm -hmm. as the main access point and then use my mind when anything comes up that requires an answer that is not embodied. Mm -hmm. or response. not that I always get that because I notice when I'm stressed or uncomfortable or in an environment where I don't feel safe I will use the analytical and I'll live from the mind a lot more because Mm -hmm. I live in a society I've grown up in a society that tells me that that's the smart choice
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean it's it's so beautiful
0: everything you said like the I I am going to listen to that again and again. Like, it was just so beautiful. When you say, you know, something comes up and you stay in your body first, I know what that means. But for everyone listening who doesn't, isn't exactly sure what does that mean, staying in your body, can you just just expand on it? Like, what does that mean? Does it mean, you know, you don't run away from the uncomfortable or the scary feeling or that you just what what how would you describe staying in your body
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from my experience this feels a little bit different to everyone Mm -hmm. but it is a feeling Mm -hmm. so it's actually just about choosing to feel over choosing to think and so sometimes what can really help is like what do I feel right now is thinking to yourself what do I feel right now what do I feel right now what do I feel right now and then sitting with the essence and the feeling of what it is to be in your body in that moment without analyzing it or creating a story around it that's the best way I can explain it Hmm. and I have to think about it a little bit more because I feel Mm -hmm. like it's not like pragmatic enough
0: it makes sense though, like I I know exactly what, what you mean, you know, um, to just, yeah, feel the feeling and it can be, when it's a difficult feeling, it can be so hard and so scary to, to be that to realize, okay, I feel really broken right now, or I feel jealous, or I feel sad and, and just feel those
1: that. things, but that you've just expressed, they're an analysis of what you're feeling instead of just feeling the feeling. Mm. and not that that's a bad thing because that's what the mind does but to go deeper into it to be able to feel like oh this is what it feels like it feels like my heart is sore it feels like um something is out of alignment, or it feels like I'm being poured into. So instead of critically analyzing the feelings and giving them meaning to be more descriptive and actually just allow what it feels like to be the main focus rather than what it means. But if you're
0: saying what it feels like describing it, isn't that analyzing it as well? It is,
1: but you're not judging it as good or bad. Like I feel broken Mm. is a judgment. Whereas I feel like my heart is open, or I feel like there is unsett like something unsettled in me, or I feel like there is misalignment in certain areas of my body, or I feel like there's a lot of pressure, or there's a lot of lightness, or there's a lot of space, is not judgmental. And that's kind of what we want to move towards. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Although I,
0: I do feel like even if we don't name it at all, we sit there, we feel it. We, we don't use a name. Mm-hmm. Inherently, we already know if it's like a comfortable mm-hmm. feeling or if it's really uncomfortable and we want to shake it. We know anyway, even if we don't name it or not.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't think because we have this brain, I don't think we can fully escape that. That, oh, this is you know, quote-unquote good or bad, even mm-hmm. though, you know, they're all feelings. Um, um, I I kind of, I don't call them good or bad. I always kind of, I, for myself, I call them, you know, light feelings and difficult or heavy feelings <laughs> when instead of saying good or bad, because they do feel heavy or light. You yeah, know, that's,
1: that's such that's... a good explanation and description as well. And I think I'd love to give permission to everyone listening, to to bring that into their practice instead of being like, this feels good and this feels bad to say exactly what you just said. Like this feels like a light feeling and this feels like a heavy feeling and they're both welcome here. Yeah,
0: that's, like, that's kind of how I named them for myself. Um, but yeah, do you have any um, tips uh, what helped you? Because you've been doing embodiment practices for way longer than I have. Um, Could you tell people who are listening like where to start if they are very, very much in their head, um, what to do? I know like for me, it was like just movement helped a lot, whether that's walking, dancing by myself, um, doing, uh, even working out, but present, like not working out with like a goal. But just like being present, and it helps me to work out alone, not in the gym. Because when I'm in the gym, I'm not present. I I feel like everyone else is present, and other people. Sex has helped me as well, or masturbation, like being in my body, um, or just sitting in the sunshine outside with my eyes closed. So I don't know. Do you have any? thing yeah that you want to add or tips for people who are new to this
1: all the examples you've given are such good ways to become embodied like any kind of movement anything that makes you focus on your body is excellent and the other thing that I would add and again everyone's different so you have to go to where the entry point is easiest for you that's the most important thing it's not like these are the hard and fast rules it's about Where's your entry point to your body? Go there. That's the only important thing. And for some people, it's going to be sex. For some people, it's going to be dance. For some people, it's going to be yoga. For some people, you know, it's going to be different for everyone. Something that I like to remind people of is that it's a practice. And so the more that you practice coming back into your body and feeling your body, the easier it gets and the more access you have to it. And something that I teach often is to start, with it first thing when you wake up. So when you wake up, immediately check in with your body. How do I feel? Mm. How do I feel? Like Maybe you stretch and you lie there and you just check in with your body and your body will tell you, you know, I feel energized. I feel tired. I feel like I have a lot of energy. I feel like I wanna move through the day or start the day gently and quietly. I feel like allow it to speak to you. And then from there on, have this practice of checking back in, like have these check-in points. How do I feel? How do I feel? How do I feel? Or even like, what do I need? Like, as in, what does my body need right now? And maybe it's like, go outside, sit in the sun, go for a walk, leave your desk and go to the toilet and take a 10 minutes to yourself, whatever it is to just anchor in a practice where you are connecting to your body because then it becomes intuitive and then it becomes um spontaneous and then it becomes part of your life
0: Mm. okay so anything yeah to to feel more at home and more safe in your body Mm -hmm. and yeah anything that helps with that because that's the goal right to feel safe in your body so that you know you're safe in it when feelings come up and you don't have to run away you don't have to numb yourself it's safe to be in your body you can trust your body kind of all of that. It sounds weird that, you know, dancing or sex would lead to that, but it does. It really does. It makes you feel more empowered and yeah. And just safer basically Um, anything, anything that helps uh, with that is, is good. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Thank you so
0: much for your insight on this.
1: I love this conversation. And one last point I want to add here is that this is a a practice in building self-trust as well and that's something the more you trust yourself and your body the more liberated you are to move through life freely and authentically and that's essentially what we all really really want
0: yeah that's very true and when we have that disconnect we outsource so much of our decisions so much of our everything to someone else or whether that's a community yeah something else a partner whatever it is we outsource because you know the government <laughs> you know whatever like someone else please tell me what to do because I I don't trust myself and my body
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and I don't know my body so yeah yeah um, super interesting thank you so much for your brilliant insights on this I felt I feel like I learned a lot because I feel like I'm a baby in this space so
1: thank you I just I love this topic it's really meaningful and important to me
0: Mm, yeah let's do this again (laughs)